You're listening to MISCAST, the official podcast of MISCON. Well, I think, I mean, the thing is, there's a couple of different issues. You know, there's the issue of just the alienness of alien languages, that that's just kind of an, an, an interesting piece of um, conceptual, um, you know, candy, uh, you know. But then there's the question of, if you want to take alienness really seriously in science fiction, then there's the question that maybe what we think of as language, what might work as language, is actually doing something quite different in terms of the way it's referring to. Today, I would like to talk about China, as in the author China Mieville. A while back, you might remember Ms. Kask asking its audience the question, What did you feel was the last best science fiction? It was kind of a controversial question. We got a lot of replies, you know, asking, well, what do you mean? What could be last best? But we did get a few emails in stating what they felt to them was the the last best science fiction, whether it be TV, novel, comic, that they have consumed. And one of our listeners responded with the following email. Mieville is a storyteller and a writer. No, it's not just that. He's a craftsman, and his prose. It's got Euclidean geometry, something about his imagery, his sentences, the hallucinatory ambiguities, the Lovecraftian-tinged imagination, the Tolkien-grade world-building without any of the Tolkien-esque tropes. This guy is doing it right for me now. And Embassy Town. Man, that damn book. It starts out slow and strange and unexceptional, but by the end, it becomes a love letter to the human language and a profound, powerful metaphor for, well, the power of metaphor. It, for me, sets a new standard of what science fiction can do. After reading this review, I got really curious about China Mieville. I hadn't heard of him until maybe that moment. I decided that NBC Town would definitely go on my list. And recently, I just finished it. And what this response is saying is true. It's a science fiction book set on an alien world, but that just seems to be the backdrop. Through this and the interaction of humans with this alien species known as the Ariaki, China Mieville explores the philosophy and the nature of language and how we communicate with each other. However, instead of listening to me going on about it, how about we cut back to the Mieville interview and you can hear what he has to say. Let's start with the the nature of how humans first got to communicate with these aliens and, and how it didn't go at first and then how it went. Well, uh, we're into kind of very mild spoiler territory if anyone really cares about these things. But basically, the idea is that there's, there's a combination of two things that sort of distinguish this alien language. One is that they speak with two voices simultaneously. So they literally speak with a forked tongue. But, paradoxically, in terms of that as a, as a, as a cliche for lying, in our, you know, for us, they, they can't lie. They, they have no, it's not that they have a no, no conception of lying, but that language to them is a direct reflection of reality, um, you know, which, which means that the way that uh, humans learn to speak to them in the book is, is, is a kind of chaos of chance and, uh, and, and occasional sort of um, randomness whereby they discover that two people who share a very, very common 
mind essentially speaking at the same time can mimic one of these aliens speaking language and that any other form like through technology or through record you know sort of um, synthesized voices doesn't work um, now as I say I think that you know one can probably very kind of plausibly pick holes in in that as a as a as in any way a realistic depiction of a language I mean my job for the book is to make it plausible from page one to the last page um, I'm, I'm not for a moment suggesting that this could exist or that this is how you know aliens would speak any more than HG Wells was suggesting you could get to the moon by painting a sphere with magic paint you know um, but but for the, for the for the length of the book these kind of extremely exaggerated ideas I hope can kind of make for a really interesting um, backdrop for the story the central character is um She's sort of growing up in, in on this on this world, in this embassy town. Hence the title, um, and she has a particular relationship with with the the local population, mm. in that she is part of their language. Basically, again, the conceit is the notion is um, that within the world of this book, and I stress within the world of this book, I make no broader claims. Within the world of this book, these aliens. Of, because of the relationship between their language to reality, their language is the reflection of reality as, as they experience it, unmediated by sim symbolism or, 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 or dissembling or anything like that. But sometimes they have this kind of nebulous, ghostly sense that they want to express something they don't quite have the words for. Uh, and this is, you know, in, in, in English, in, our, in human languages in general, what we do is we use similes. We say this is like this, you know, this situation is like the following, and we make an argument as to why it's like that, you know. Um, and they also want to do this sometimes, but they can't say that anything is like anything else unless they have experienced the thing that it is like, the referent. Um, because it doesn't exist in their language if it hasn't existed to them. And so, in some very confused way that is unclear because these are alien beings, they want to express a concept that some of them decide is, you know, will be like a certain situation. So they have to have that situation acted out. And that's this protagonist uh, basically going into a ruined restaurant and some kind of ritual is performed on and around her, which um, which, not in a deeply traumatic way, but sort of is, is, is strange and troubling to her and marks her for life, but also means that she becomes embedded in language so that for the rest of her life she is the girl who ate in darkness. Um, there's various different versions of saying it, but, you know, the girl who ate what was given to her in darkness. And they, they give her something to eat so that they can later say, oh, this is like the girl who ate what was given to her in darkness. So she becomes a simile. And within a certain context, she becomes a kind of uh, an alien celebrity because they're quite excited by similes. Embassy Town is published by Delray Books here in the United States, and it won the 2012 Locus Award for Best Science Fiction Model. Now, despite all this initial love for Embassy Town that we've started with here on this cast, I wouldn't recommend it to be the first Mia Bell book that you read. Uh, it wasn't the first one that I read. The first one that I went with was Kraken, and 
being, you know, a member of MISCON who was ruled by Cthulhu Bob, you can imagine that the title of the book is what really grabbed me and made me want to go after it first. Kraken is a strange fiction, a mystery, and it's set around the abduction from the British Museum of Natural History of a 40-foot specimen of a giant squid. And not just the giant squid, but the tank, the formalin, and everything. Just overnight, vanishes. No trace. So it starts out as a conundrum, a mystery, but then takes a really interesting twist in a scene that I'll just describe as an act of insane, arcane origami. And this kicks off a race among various strange London factions trying to get the Kraken back. The book has a pantheon of colorful characters, such as the dreaded Gosson Subby, uh, the ruthless Tattoo, or as he's known in the book, just the Tattoo, and my personal favorite, Wati, who is an Egyptian afterlife familiar who in London heads the Union of Familiars. Kraken is a great read, uh, a fun journey, very imaginative, and I highly suggest it. Miscon's Man of Many Hats, head of the writers' workshops, the schedule, ops, Justin Barba, has also read some Mieville and uh, gone on about his enjoyment of the books a bit. So I asked him to send in some comments to the miscast email, miscast at miscon.org, on what he thought of the books that he read. He read what's called the Bass Lag, I'm assuming I'm saying it right, the Bass Lag series, which consists of three books, The Perdido Street Station, The Scar, and Iron Council. And on these books, Justin writes, they're a unique blend of steampunk, fantasy, science fiction, and just plain old weirdness. They're unpredictable and interesting. The characters often see themselves as degenerates turned hero, but only after a steady period of reluctance on their part. The world is full of oddball surprises like cactus people, airships, and cool swords that are both magical and mechanical. There are a lot of magical machines in these books. Possibility machines are one of the most interesting ideas I've seen in speculative fiction. Or maybe he calls them probability machines. Mievel presents a mythical eastern kingdom of undead. Undead who rule over humans who wish they too could become undead and attain real status. How cool is that? And I have to admit that these three books are also going to go onto my list. So, if you haven't read any China Mievel or you haven't read any of the books that we, of his that we have mentioned, we highly suggest that you do so here at Miscast. We would love to discuss with you at a MISCON event what your take was on his books. Before we end the show, I would like to lastly mention that coming up on November 10th is MISCON's Fall Game Day at Ruby's Convention Center. It'll be held from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And we hope that you come out and play some games with us. MISCAST is recorded under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Share-Alike, 3.0, Unreported License.